business is not a pyramid, it's a round table. And so I treat my company like that. In our boardrooms, like I want round tables. There's yeah. no head of the table. My last name's on the building, I'm signing the checks, but we have to make this decision together. And I will tell you, it's important to me. So I'm kind of telling you guys, we have to have a vision statement, a mission statement, and a reason why we got to get this group because our goal is whatever. You know, better customer experience. We got to treat our employees better to give our better customer experience. We, we, we all need to be aligned. Winning championships is not all about talent. It's about teams working together in unison for the same dream. In a world where there's so much noise and information, one podcast is on a mission to cut the fluff and get strategic. A place where you receive the latest tips to expanding your leadership, optimizing your business, and ways to become a truly peak performance human. Now, get ready as your host, Jake Havron, is here to help you live the strategic life. Hey, welcome back to the Strategic Life Podcast. It's your host, Jake Havron, and be ready to be on a roller coaster of emotions, yet also learn some tactical strategies on building culture and really scaling your companies. Because the gentleman that I'm interviewing here today, first off, I'm very honored to call him a close friend. I'm very inspired by not just his works, but the way that he leads with congruent faith. And you're going to see that through this episode. And even though he's leading a nine-figure business now, just a few years ago, he literally was at rock bottom, not just with his health, but also with his family and with his business, almost lost his life. You're going to hear about a story that is going to bring tears to your eyes of just how this, this health condition literally snuck up on him and almost, it basically killed him. And here he is, a living testimony showing that that's not going to stop him. And you are also going to be learning about cultural alignment. What is it all about and why is it important you know business is a round table not a pyramid and best practices for productive meetings you're going to learn how he incorporates faith in business every single point of this whether it's the stories whether it's the rawness the realness or it's the actual tactical implementation you're going to want to listen in to the very end so i'm excited for this one i'm excited for you so without further ado let me introduce you to mr jason haugen Jason, I've just got to say, man, we are, you, you, you are here in Southern California. I am. You flew out from Utah and you came out here for a day trip with yep. incredible people behind uh, the camera set here. And people may see all of that about you, like flying over in your PJ and it's amazing and you're living this amazing life. And, but it all was really at one point in 2018 where you basically lost everything. Right. Can you share on that? Yeah. So... You know, life was good. I mean, you know, I guess in in 2017, <laughs> before before my world, kind of at the end of 2017, before beginning of 2018, it kind of came crashing down. And it was tough, man. I mean, I was on top of the world. I, I was big in, you know, network marketing. I was speaking all over the place and I was having a, a great time with that. And a big change happened with, with my life and the company that I was with and, and all of that and pretty much lost everything in, in end of 2017. And, and, it, it, it was hard. I mean, it was so hard because how I viewed myself was very different than how everybody else, because everybody else was viewing myself like, oh, JC's amazing. He's this and that and the other. Like, they don't really know the deeper 
um, you know, the issues that I was going through, you know, financially through marriage, like all these things, mm. um, relationships. And it was tough, man. I mean, I, I remember talking to my, she's now my ex-wife, um, talking about marriage problems, but talking about, now she's now my ex-wife. You know, talking to her at the, she's pregnant. I remember talking like, we're, we're like, you know, two months of payments, you know, for everything. Like we have two months worth of money. Like, Jeez. what are we supposed to do? Like, I have no clue. I have no degree. Um, I'm supposed to be building, you know, this thing, you know, all these promises, all that. But like, at the end of the day, it's like, what's the reality? Like, I don't care what my dream is, yeah. what the goal is, and what the, what is the reality of the situation? And it was almost the first reset. It was the first reset, big reset of my life where I had to really dive deep into who I was and keep my dream of life, who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And dude, I had to make a phone call to my, one of my best friends, unbelievable guy, um, saved my life. Um, and was like, dude, I, I need some money. And he was like, okay, how much do you need? Like investment? And I'm like, I'm not talking about an investment, dude. I'm talking about to survive. Like I got to buy groceries. I got to have, I have a car payment. I have a house payment. I got a baby on the way. And he was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, I just lost everything. And I, I swear, he owned a construction company and cabinets and countertop company. Yeah. I swept his floors. Like I did everything I possibly could. Did I, he like, dude, you got to pay me somehow. Like, and he's like, I don't really need a position, but I got you, dude. Like we're brothers. Wow. And he made a position for me to basically be his kind of right-hand man, but honestly, like his assistant. And I was sweeping floors, you know, picking up cabinets, driving box trucks down, down to Salt Lake City for all the way from Ogden, which is about a 45, and a big box truck, like picking up cabinets. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, but you know what the crazy thing is? What's I was that? still listening to those, aud- those audios and podcasts about dream, and you can believe it. After I lost everything on those roads, I actually still have my iPod or AirPod case, my old AirPods, my OG AirPods, yeah, yeah. that actually got like destroyed because the box truck would vibrate so intensely and I had in the cup holder, but I remember looking at that and be like, all those scratches are from that box truck driving at thousands, you know, miles up and down the freeway, delivering cabinets. And then I graduated from sweeping floors and I got to build the cabinets. Did you have, did you have imposter syndrome though at that time? Totally. Because I'm, I'm still in a network marketing business speaking and instilling the dream and all these things for a new company because ours went out of business for a new company, but the way I had built my previous business did not fit into the comp plan. And so mm. I basically had to start over from ground zero. So on the outside in that current moment, I, and dude, much respect for you even sharing this because many people, that was only like five, six years ago, many people yeah. would still try to hide that in the fear of what that may make them feel. But like that says a lot about you. So in that, so in the outside, you were, you were transitioning from one network marketing company that you crushed it went under though, so right. you had to go to a new one and it wasn't the same comp plan. So you were still seen as Jason, the, the leader, the guy yep. speaking. Top earner, all these things. Like the, but on the, the backside of everything, you were. Oh, dude, I was, I'm like, how, how can I, how am I supposed to go speak to these people? Then I'm like, hey, like, they're like, hey, we need you to come speak in Minnesota. I'm like, okay. Um, then I had to almost feel, be aggressive of like, hey, you're going to pay for my flights. You're going to, cause mm-hmm. I, it's almost like, do you know who I am? Like, you're not, but it's like, mm-hmm. I don't have any money. Yeah, I, I can't tell them that because they're a leader in, in their own group and whatever. And they're thinking that I'm yeah. you know, coming to serve, which, you know, my words were like, and so it felt, it was hard. It was hard to sit there on stage and speak to people and be like, all these things, you know, they, they talk about you and the income and the BMW that I had and, and, the, and the custom home that I had and all these things. But I'm like, I got splinters in my fingers from building cabinets. Wow. Like I'm in, I'm in constant fights and arguments with my, my wife at the time about money situations 
I have no idea how I'm gonna pay for my baby when she's born. I'm about to lose this BMW. Mine was luckily paid off. Um, and you know, we had been, we had not like crazily overspent, mm -hmm. but we had built this life like kind of gearing up, you know, for, for, more, success. for more success. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my dad told me this saying, which I wish I would have listened to it before because he told me when I was little, but he told me one time, so I had never actually told my mom and dad I was in financial trouble. Mm. Dude, I was one person or two people, my wife and you know, my, my best friend. And a lot, like even the customers knew me, like I had business cards for this construction company. I had like, I had that, but, but I, it, it was crazy. My dad told me, hey, build like it will never end, but prepare for it to end tomorrow. Mm. And I never did that Dude, that's because so when good. you're younger and you're in this grind and like you're yeah. in, like you feel good, like you're going speaking, you're on these incentive trips, like you're being looked at a certain way. You're just like, that's kind of like, you think success lasts forever. Yeah. And like build like it will never end, but prepare for it to end tomorrow. So and good. you know, not saying like you can't ever spend money or do this, like ever expect success, but build like it will never end. Keep crushing it, mm -hmm. but prepare for it then tomorrow, just in case. Cause it, things happen. Life happens. It's crazy. And it, it was tough, man, but I, I just ha I had a dream so deep in me and a, and a vision of what I wanted to do with my life mm -hmm. that I never stopped. I all, I, then I, you know, I was not, then it, and my, my natural personality is to do everything a hundred percent extreme. Yeah. And which, you know, caused me, you know, I did a bodybuilding competition. That's why I kind of ended up in the hospital and still dealing with stuff like that. Cause I just go all in. Yeah, you do. And, and your, your life here really quick, your life onward from that is extreme it's the dream yeah. uh and you're just getting started and so you yeah. know for people listening like this man phenomenal investor businessman it's it, we're gonna get into that because it's exciting what you're yeah, doing right now you. and there's a lot of re relatability of this dream we have as we're talking before right. camera but i, I want to really sit in because this is hitting home for me personally but i know there's someone listening right now that's hitting home to this you were in that moment outside looked great inside your your caving in you had that one buddy that you thought about reaching out or not and you did what like like what was going through your mind in that moment where you were like do i ask this guy for money or not do i get that help because i'm sure that felt probably extremely terrible to do oh, like, what, what was going on there it, it, it's it's like one i was frustrated like jason how did you let yourself get to the situation mm. like how, how did it get this bad how did you like spend money or this and that? And like one bad thing about the, and why that business ended up going out of business was because there was never any money in the, like there was never any money in the comp plan. Like what I was making as a top earner, quote unquote, was not as much as the average income, not even close, like not even 25% of what they said I should be earning. Mm -hmm. So I'm always constant battling with that. I'm like, hey, like I should be earning this much money. That's what you say the average is. Like I'm like 25% of that. And so, but then it's like, I had to keep up with the hustle. I had to keep up with the name. I had to keep up with the rank. And so like, you know, when you're saying you're a six figure earner, what does that lifestyle look like? You know, I'm free, but I'm like, I'm not like, I, I'm not, you know, so all these things, it was hard. Like, I remember, I remember sitting there being like, I don't know what to do, but, but like, it's like, I'm going to play to win and I'm going to, I'm not going to play to not lose. I'm going to play to win. And, yeah. and how do I win? I might need a little bit of a pick me up for my buddy. Like I was making a little bit of money in that network marketing business, but it wasn't enough money to even pay my, my car payment. And so we, uh, I was like, hey, you know what? My buddy's got my back and I love this dude. And you know what? This is my future. I, so, so be it. Like I, I, but I have to do something. My mom always used to say, Hey, if it, if it is to be, it's up to me. 
And so I sat there and was like, if it is the B, it's up to me. And I had to make that hard decision to go do that. But I did it. It was a little bit easier because no one knew about it. Mm. I literally worked. So I would work. So do the network marketing thing kind of in the morning, sporadically throughout the day, a lot of meetings at night because that's when a lot of people you know, are off work and you can do the presentations and things like yeah. that. At about eight or nine o'clock, I'd be done. I'd go finally, you know, eat dinner or whatever, kiss my, my you know, now ex-wife, kiss goodnight. And then I would go to the cabinet shop in the middle of the night. I would sweep, I'd build cabinets, I'd do that whole thing. And then I would load the box truck up for the crew and it, I'd be done in the middle, you know, four or five in the morning, the box, the crew would come in there, load up the box truck for them, they'd go do the, do the installs, I'd go to the gym, I remember this vividly because I was doing my bodybuilding competition at this. I'm prepping doing, for a competition at the same time. time. Yeah. And then I go home, sleep a little oh. bit and then rinse and repeat oh every day. Gosh. And then I started to get a little bit more popular and they're really, I would say not popular, a little better at the cabinets and things like that. And then yeah. now I started to build the cabinets and install because that's graduate, you know, that's graduating from sweeping the floors. So was he paying you accordingly, not, not to go too much in detail on this, but was he paying you accordingly to the work you were doing or what did he give you an investment? Oh, dude, in totally just hourly wage, man. Wow. So you clock didn't, in, in your out. mind, you weren't thinking like, how can I do something that's worth more of my time? Like you were just like, I'm just going to even sleep, sweep floors. Like at the time I was, this is the only option I have. Wow. And, and it was like enough money where I was like, Hey, if I work this much, I'll pay this bill or like be able to cover these bills Dude, and everything crazy. is like to the penny of what was going on. And we had got married in 2016 and got a, you know, had like nice things and we got some money, you know, from different things. And so like I had some of that set up like side and all the, like, but I was going to the penny of where we, what we were doing. And then, you know, I started to, to install cabinets and build them. Man, I was probably one of the, and, but my attitude is extreme. Like if I'm gonna work for my buddy, I'm gonna yeah. be the best floor sweeper. Like he would, he, he will come to the shop and be shocked about how clean it is. And it was not, it was a dump. Like it, and there's no offense to my buddy, it was a dump. Um, and so I like, I organized everything, swept everything. And then I'm, my mind is an operational mind. Yeah. Okay, you can start doing this better. I can start doing this for you. Let me go do that bid. I'm a lot better with people than you are. I go do those bids. I made up a uniform because he had no uniform. Like his thing is a hoodie and basketball shorts, and he all, he looks like one of the workers, even though he owns a company. <laughs> yeah. And so I started to go sell cat, sell kitchens, measure kitchens. I started to get really good at designing kitchens. I got kind of hyper obsessed with designing yeah. kitchens. Like I can walk into a kitchen and be like, I can tell you the size of everything by just looking at it and how the CAD drawings and all. That's kind of crazy. And so I got obsessed with that. And then. I started to kind of grow that for him. And he's mm. like, man, like you're doing good. And he's like, I'm going to pay you more. And I'm like, no, like, we'll worry about that later, man. Like, I just want to grow this for you and know that this is going to be good for you. And I want to prove that it works. I'm, you're not going to pay me off a of theory. You're going to pay me off of what I do. And you're going to pay me whatever you think the value is. And I'm just going to keep pushing and I'm going to shock you about how good I'm going to wow. get at this construction thing. That's like, so good, dude. And so, so where was the pivot? Like, you're in this situation, you're still building network marketing, you, you now have these companies now. What was the pivot that got you out of that and to where you are now? So it was, it was honestly, like I was looking for a little bit more. Um, I had, and this is kind of the end of 2017, 2018, mm -hmm. um, when I, the opportunity of the RV dealerships kind of came, came about. Um, but I was like, Kind of actually, my my mind was out getting out of network marketing and more into this construction company because I'm like, man, I'm good at this. Like I'm selling multi-million dollar jobs. Like now we're getting a multi-family. 
I'm selling apartment complexes that we're going to do 400 kitchens, 400, like we're getting good at this. And I'm like, I'm doing that. And then I always wanted to work with my dad. My dad was a very successful entrepreneur, owned many different businesses, one of the largest network marketers in the world. And I always wanted to work with him, but I wanted to be Jason Haugen. Mm. And I did not want to be Randy Haugen's son. So during this whole process, I never told my dad I was broke, never told him I was doing construction, never told him I was doing any of that. The only thing he saw was me was doing network marketing and all these things. They had no clue I was going through marital problems, no clue things were falling. It was, it was surface level. I was the Instagram fan, man. I was the best person on Instagram. Life was great, all these things. And he presented an opportunity to me in the end of 2017 and was like, do you want to buy an RV dealership? You know, at the time he's thinking I'm doing really well. Right. I'm like, yeah, maybe. You know, let's let's see how this is. You know, I'll look at it. And we had always RV'd our whole life. Um, we had, you know, everything from a you know tour bus, what the, you know, what, you, what any you know regular person would know is an actual real tour bus, like yeah. a Liberty, the beautiful coaches, um, all the way down to a tent trailer, a little ten foot tent trailer. So I've had everything in between, and loved camping. And so ah, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. So. I'm like, Dad, I want to work with you. Finally, I want to work with you. Like, there's so much knowledge. You've owned dozens and dozens, like so many big things, very prominent guy. Um, like, I think it's time. I think I'm ready. Let's work together. And so he was going to, you know, he invested the money. Um, I didn't really have anything at the time. That's when I found out his dad are actually broke, bro. And he was like, hey, no problem. Like, it really wasn't that much money to buy the dealership. So we started that together. And he was like, hey, well, you know, you didn't put any of your skin in the game. Um, you know, a little bit, you know, I did whatever I could at right. the time, but he's like, you have to start as a salesperson. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm, you know how good I am? Like I'm on top, I'm whilst I'm still doing never market. And so I started as a salesperson and I had to have a, a living wage off that salesperson. And I started at the end of 2018 or the end of January of 2018, because we were in the middle of a construction project with my buddy. Mm. And I promised him my word that I would get, I had to build 36 units worth of kitchens myself. Well, units, I mean, not even kitchens. It was, a, it was a bath and a half kitchen that I had to build. I had built, built six of them a day. And I told him that I would finish it. And dude, I worked on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, just grinding out because grinding. my word is my word. Yeah. And so I told him that, hey, like, I can't come work for you until I'm done with this project. Done with the project. I told my buddy, I love you. Thank you so much. And then I moved on to the RV. And you went full, went into, full the into the RV. But I was still doing network marketing. At still the same doing time. network marketing. And, yeah. and I want people to understand, especially you listening right now, this, this man has major success now. And it's just the brim of, of what he's capable of. But I didn't want to gloss over like this hustle and even just a few years ago, completely at your lowest of lows. Right. Like too many people think, and that's why I'm even inspired and amazed by this because too many people think that just because you have the success now, oh, it must have always happened. Right. Or it may, oh, it's been for decades or he's always been in this. But to be honest, four or five years ago, you were at your low of lows. And even when you got into the company now that you own, which is worth over 100 million, you started as a salesman. Right. And you had to work for it. Right. And I think that's just so admirable. And I don't want anyone to discredit themselves thinking that because of the bad position they're in now or the financial instability that four years from now, you cannot be in a completely different life because you're right. a living example on that. Right. So fast forward, you, you work through this RV. How did you get to the point where you are now owning this nine figure company and now building the life of your dreams? You know, it was, it, it, it kind of just naturally happened and it, it naturally, 
you know, I was kind of bouncing in and out of the network marketing thing. Our company got sold again. You know, I got out of the hospital. Um, very, very life-changing situation in the hospital. Yeah, which will uh, definitely aligned, about, kind of moved forward. At the end of 2018, the company got sold again. And so beginning of 2019, still while doing the RV thing, was with that company and then the company got sold again. Jeez. And so finally at the end of 2019, I'm like, I went to the board meeting, I met the new owners of the company, and this is a large company, a very, very large company, well, at least I think that they were. And I met with the owners, met with the whole people, was there with a bunch of the people that were I was with, the top earner. Mm -hmm. And I remember leaving, my, now my new wife, I had gotten divorced then, so you know, a hospital, divorce, all this company, Buying and selling Just all this like, stuff. What, what else? Crazy. And what then the RV industry was really <laughs> tough back then, and all these things. And um, you know, at the end of 2019, I finally was like, "Hey, I'm I'm, I'm moving to." Like, I I called her. Literally went to dinner. They tried to jazz us up, expensive wine, this and that, and all these things. I went back to my hotel room, called my now wife, and was like, "I'm done with the industry." And she's like, "What?" And I was like, "I'm gonna go all into the RV." I'm just not as excited as I was anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I love, I love network marketing. Don't get me, okay, I got my start in it. I've been in it my whole life, literally. Yeah. My mom and dad were in it for almost 30 years. Mm -hmm. Like we more than that. And like, I love the industry, but I'm like, hey, I got this RV dealership. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put 100% of my time in it. Cause I, I try to do everything, like manage all this stuff. Like I yeah. was spot, flying and speaking and doing training this and that while still managing the dealerships and all these things. So when all in in 2019, that's when it was really like a change. And it's like, how can I get better at this RV thing? You have to focus and in and just one thing. Hyper focus. Not not have multiple darlings. Uh, as they say, kill your yeah. darlings, right? Yeah. And I've had to do that many times and it sucks because they're your darlings. They're exciting. Yeah. They're, they're, they're shiny and all these things. But the moment you killed that off and you focus 100%, that's when. Dude, and it clicked. was like opportunities that were just roll. Like once I changed my mindset and I put it out in the universe and I'm taking this thing to a billion dollars opportunities just started rolling in. Isn't we bought two locations in 2020. Works. Yeah, so I'm in 2019, made that decision. I remember, I never will forget this. It was November 2nd, 2019, and I made the decision to go all in on the RV industry. And I was sitting in San Diego. You said, when I, you said November 2nd? November 2nd, 2019, 2019. yep. I have something funny to share after. So that's when I made the decision. Yeah. And then um, shortly thereafter, we got an opportunity to buy two more dealerships um, and you know, negotiated that, closed on that February 1st, 2020. And that took us, you know, we did 12 million in sales no um, in 2018, 13 million in sales in 2019, and 65 million in sales in 2020. But it was February 1st, 2020, we, we bought, we closed those. Great, COVID was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, and we can talk a lot about how I actually ended up doing that in 2020, because it was a very crazy time oh, I bet. in my life. But I actually, well, you know, it's a quick story. So 2019, February 1st, 2019, biggest purchase ever made in our life multiple million dollars buying this these two locations and they were doing about 20 million in sales in 2019 and we just mm. we shot them to the roof during COVID and just crushed it so i my dad at this time is completely gone he's out like he's just doing his thing he's, he's an advisory role a board role mm. has still some investment because he's like hey you're doing well really well i'm gonna yeah. keep some money in yeah. there Smart and just doing his thing yeah and so, you know, now I'm taking over as now I'm becoming the CEO because really only the operations guy manager, you know, with one location, you only do so much. And I didn't want to be the general manager. Right. That did not sound fun to me. And so I was the, now I became the CEO. Um, and then I like, you know, February 1st, everything is great. And so what happens in March? March hits and COVID, COVID huge thing, right? Um, you know, at the end of, I think it was like March 16th, 18th. I don't know why I remember yeah, that. Yeah, it was like but, March 16th. Yeah. And so... 
I call my, and now the world's ending, manufacturing, you know, are you a essential business? No one really knows what's going on. Are people in suits and respirators? We all die. Like, it was crazy, right? And so I called my dad and I was like, hey, well, so I got a call from a mentor in the RV business and he was like, hey, this is gonna be the best thing for the RV industry. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, trust me. I was like, all right. So then I called my dad and I was like, hey, how does bankruptcy work? And he's like, are you kidding me? You're already going bankrupt? Bankrupt, it's been like a week. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm just wondering how it works. Like if I have 2 million in inventory or 20 million in inventory, what's the difference in bankruptcy? He's like, a digit, a zero. Like it's really not that, it's, you know, it's the same creditors, mm-hmm. the same. All right, cool. Boom, click. Order 20 million in inventory right there. I, I, put, I bet everything in, in the RV industry. And I was still in all these big camping world and bish. I was still in everybody's inventory mm-hmm. putting on my lots stacking up and then all of a sudden about three weeks later it was like a fire hose turned on in the rv industry and we were just selling boom boom because that was how people got out of their house yeah. and they, they did the travel they were by their with their families and right. all that i remember there's a lot of people that yeah. went on road trips oh is, is, cra- that, yeah. is that what and happened dude, people that are never rv'd before are now rving people that never wanted a trailer before are now yeah. going like it's crazy and I, I remember like sobbing june 2020 we did 14 million or 12 million in sales and we had never done $12 million in one, one year before. And we did in one month. And I'm like, I don't even know what to say. Like, this is crazy. And then we started to focus and hone in on like who we really are and what we wanted to be and culture. Yeah. And I had that self-development side of the business of my life. I mean, it means so much to me in network marketing. How can I put that in the RV industry? We created book programs and leadership That's programs amazing. and management trading programs and started making people go to leadership classes. and. And because I fully believe you build a better person, you build yeah. a better business. How can we en- enrich these people's lives? Not only money, because everybody's making so much money. It was like an eight, like you couldn't have failed in the RV business back then. But now how do we get like, you know, go from good to great? And how can we help people really hone in on who they are and how they operate and help people grow themselves outside of the business? Like I want you to become a better husband or father so or, or mother or or mom like, or wife. Like I want you to become better people. And, and do that like that's uh, like that's my passion now yeah. like I, and I really found like that's my passion and, and is helping people and you were cultivated in that way because of your past experience oh yeah even though that was a failure you took those characteristics those traits and brought in something new oh yeah how uh, why is that any different for someone that's going through you know failures right now you can still take the characters or traits that you learned and go build something successful and you're an example of that you know it, it's it, it's it's really cool that you know, we haven't talked about this yet. Um, November second, twenty nineteen, was the big moment for you, right? That's right. when that's when you bought it. Is that correct? So that's when we. That's when I decide. That's when I kind of closed that's the door on that. That's when I went all in. So wow, that is actually almost to the day exactly the big one of the biggest decisions in my life. Really? Yeah. So. November 7th actually is the day that everyone on my, I've shared on my social media, which we'll talk about in a second, but actually November, I believe third, fourth, and fifth was when I decided that uh, I got asked to go to a speaker workshop and it was a very intimate speaker workshop. It was actually one of my buddies, Nick Santanastasso, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know of, yeah. and met him he, uh, I met him when I went to a Tony event back in July, 2019, my first ever Tony event, we became good friends. And him and his buddies were like, hey, we're going to the speaker workshop in Milwaukee, November 3rd to the 5th. Do you want to be part of it? There's really only one spot left. It's only like 15 people. And for me at that time, I was like, I don't know if I want to be a speaker yet. I was that what, Everything I'm doing now was non-existent in my mind. Right. But I knew that eventually I probably will be. So, hey, I'm a yes-minded type of guy. Maybe let's go do this. 
And I was like, well, how much is it? And he's like, well, it's $15,000. And I'm like, oh yeah, uh, 15K for a thing I really don't know if I want. I'm right. But it had like FOMO effect. And I knew in my mindset, it's just like yours where I knew if I go somewhere and I go do it, I'm going to make something happen. There's right. going to be opportunity. I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to meet someone incredible, whatever it is. And so I dropped that and I go to this workshop. And that was the decision that changed my life because now over three days, I'm learning how to be a speaker. I'm extracting this information and these stories and putting it, getting to learn from the best and putting it into a keynote. And I'm like, holy crap, maybe I could speak. Right. I was like, this isn't going to be something that, that, goes right away. So I'll put it, you know, in my pocket, plant the seed. So be it. We fly from Milwaukee to Miami. Miami was November 7th. So yours is November 2nd, yeah. 3rd and 5th was that. But the moment that changed my life was November 7th. And I'm at a Tony event. And now this is my second UPW, been to business master and all that, but made, made amazing connections that allowed me to be in the front rows of a right. 15,000 person event. And Tony asks on day one, he says, what's your extraordinary life? He always does it on day one to set the pace. Right. And b before I would write, I'm going to be a celebrity trainer. I want to like, because I was still doing like online health training mm -hmm. and I was doing some business consulting now, full-time business. Health is my past life. But I want to be training Tony. You know, I'm going to be like working with these top people. But now I was like, maybe this is where I rewrite history. Maybe wow. now the, the seed that was planted that had no idea it would work, that seed actually sprouted quicker because now I had an opportunity to change my thought and my paradigm moving forward. So right. I'm instead writing, well, maybe this is different. Maybe now I'm going to be, a, uh, I'm gonna be a, uh, speaking on stages all over the world. And I'm writing that down. I'm like, maybe just the U.S. No, no, just put it all over the world, right? right. It's supposed to be audacious. I'm going to be paid 50,000. Oh, 50. I started cringing. 50,000? No way. 25. Nope. It's big audacious. Write it down. 50K. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to be speaking on Tony's stage. Right. And so to just kind of wrap this up, because I just wanted to share this with you. I'm sharing this with other people there. I had no confidence myself, but this was where Tony asked out of all 15,000, he was like, who wants to share their extraordinary life? And dude, without hesitation, I raised my hand and he calls on me in front of 15,000. Wow. And that moment, because I shared it and I proclaimed it and it's on my, my Instagram for people who want to see the story because I'm so grateful it got caught. That completely shifted my entire life. Wow. And I got an opportunity to speak at, this is the second date, and we'll bring it back to you. February 7th, I got an opportunity because there was a speaking agent there. She said, we need to talk. She was like, I see, I see it in you. And I'm like, she doesn't know I don't speak, but right. I'm going to put on the act like I do, right? right? And we talked, and she got me a speaking gig February 7th, 2020. To, in Burbank to speak next to Mark Victor Hansen, uh, who co-authored Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yep. Brian Tracy, living legend. Yep. And Robert Herchevac. And I'm wow. one of the keynote speakers. I'm like, who am I? But here's the kick to wrap it up. That was where I got introduced, or actually I met Emily. Really? Because I was on that stage a few days before I, I partnered with her health and wellness company because I was still doing health coaching. Right. And because I had this gig lined up, and she's been speaking for 10 years already. I was like, hey, I'm speaking next to all these people. Like, you're in Santa Monica. Why don't you come out and, like, we'll connect and we'll meet each other, you know, professional. And because I was on that stage and the first impression she saw me was in this most peak state. That's how we met. And then the rest was history. That's awesome. So I you love sharing those two dates, I just had to share that part because I know some of my listeners know that. But, like, I wanted, like, 
that, that's yeah. actually pretty wild because that's not yeah because it's like right there like same week same, magical same week weeks. man magical week so while you're like crushing business making these decisions i'm over in miami changing my life on the yeah. same exact it, it's just wild dude that's so, awesome that's epic so going back to what you're saying with uh with the rv so you crushing in the rv you now are at a point where you pivot through covid mm-hmm. and so what what happens after that? Like where where does where does your mindset go? Like now you're making this this cash flow. You have this business. You know, doing significant sales. Like wh- where are you at now in that time of life? So just just how to get better. I'm kind of on on autopilot and cruising and kind of just figuring out like what do I want to do? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? Like do I want to grow the company to a billion? Do I not want to grow the company to a billion? Do I, you know more is like what what really do I want? And I just wanted to be the best, like have the best company. So that's kind of our MO is like, hey, we don't want to be the biggest, we want to be the best. And it's kind of talking about like the hedgehog concept and good to great and like our hedgehog is customer experience. Mm -hmm. And so now it's like, okay, like let's focus on that and then just slowly, you know, grow the company. Well, I didn't slowly grow the company. We got five more locations in 2021 and it was just massive growth just, just coming up now. I wouldn't recommend that because it's but its challenges now. I mean, COVID yeah. kind of put a bandaid on things and put like a false, like you know, goodness on what's going on now. Like a lot of things are coming ahead, so I'm learning a lot right now. Um, but I just wanted to keep pushing and growing the company and growing people, and I really got obsessed with culture. Yeah, and you know, my culture, um, my beliefs in culture and dealing with people have come out a really, really long time ago, especially with my mom and dad. But now I'm starting to get obsessed with team building and culture and like. Like almost that system side, like, you know, that network marketing, yeah. like I'm now I'm getting obsessed with that, which it's, it's weird in the RV industry. Like, I'm not gonna lie. We're a little redneck industry. Like it's, right. it's, it's not like, it's not a normal thing to have No personal it's, development, all these things. No. And so that I got super, super obsessed with it. And it was in, you know, in 2022 is when I really, like I started to speak, I got asked to speak. You know, at a buddy's thing, oh, yeah, sure, I'll speak because now they've heard, you know, a couple of things I was doing. Like, I own a couple of dealerships, but I still had never said on social media that we were doing 100 million. I have dealerships. Like, I never said any of that on social media. I hid everything from everybody because now it's all my network marketing people. Now he's doing RV dealerships. Like, now what's going on with this? What's oh, going on with I that? See. Like, it's, a, I can't, he's failing. Like, it, I'm like, okay, guys, like, it was, uh, you don't understand. So I, I hid that from a lot of people yeah. and was kind of embarrassed about it. I don't know why. Like, we're doing really well. We had a lot of locations. Um, and I remember meeting with a guy, and he was like, why are you embarrassed about what is feeding your family? And, like, you're crushing it. And I'm like, it's the RV industry, man. Like, that's not a sexy industry. Like, and and I'm, not, I'm not doing what I want to do. And he was like, you can always do what you want to do. I'm like, hmm, okay, cool. <laughs> maybe. I don't really know. So I kind of like you, like, put, kind of put it in my pocket. And was like, well, let's see. One day, maybe I'll do what I want to do. And that's to speak and to help people and to culture coach and like all these things and to be and to impact companies, impact people. And so in the beginning of 2022, I got an opportunity to go speak 20 people, nothing big. But after that, I was like, man, I am got a fire lit under my butt. I guess it's awesome. And there was a guy there um, that came up to me and he was like, man, like that, like completely changed my life. And I'm like, you only need to hear one of those. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, dude, like, can I meet with you tomorrow? And I'm like, Sure. He's like, what do you charge? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> like, I'll come to you, bro. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm an RV business, man. So we sat there and talked and like, he's just sobbing about that. Like I changed his life and I changed the direction of his like, oh, okay. And so we started to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, different things. And I, like, I've helped him kind of launch in the direction of his company. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, and he's like, do you, like, you really should share this. Like, you really need to get on more stages and share this. Like, this is impactful because you, you are doing it right now mm. and you're helping people right now. Yeah. And when you talk about culture and dealing with people, especially inside companies, you're doing it right now. And like, it's very relevant. And so I'm like, okay, maybe. And then I saw him at another event and I was not speaking at this one. I was just attending. Then he's like, have you started it? And my wife was, was there with me. And we weren't married married then, so I guess whatever she was back then, I can't remember her fiance or but yeah. my wife. And she was like, hmm, because I had always hit everything from her. She never saw me speak, never saw anything, never saw me in network marketing, never I, everything was was hidden. Um, you know, when COVID hit, we drove trucks. So I had every single day I'd drive about three hundred miles delivering trailers. Jeez. And she's my little my co-pilot, right? And we, we right, was right when we met because we met at the end of twenty nineteen. And so 2020 when COVID hit, I didn't have a truck driver. So I was like, hey, um, I can't go into the dealerships, but I can still deliver trucks. Like, because, you know, back then, you're going to drive with me. So three, 400 miles a day, every single day, drive with me. And so we, we kind of talked a lot about it. And she probably thought I was weird. But finally, in 2022, um, I had that conversation. That guy is like, like, you really need to do this. Like, and then I got a crowd around people. And they're like, we've heard so much about you. And I'm like, how have you guys heard about me? Like, I don't really don't know. I'm in, my, I'm in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Like in Florida, like, I'm like, how do you guys even know anything about me? And so they're like, you need to start a podcast. So I'm like, oh, okay. And so I started the podcast right after that. And really it was my wife was like, hey, you really should start the podcast. And I'm start like, start the podcast. Yeah. And start speaking. And I'm like, you don't even know what I sound like. Like you don't ever yeah. even heard, heard what I what I do, but I've seen what it's done and the impact in our company. Yeah. And now I'm like, hey, I got, like, it's almost a disservice if I don't. And so like ever since then, started the podcast there shortly after, it's done really well, but now... Well, it's, it's doing really well, just not to cut you off on there, but it's doing well because you're sharing your story and you're being real and authentic and, and it's not... And obviously, you've created success, but you're not trying to be any more someone that you're not. Right. And I just want to make sure that, you know, for anyone that's trying to be a speaker right now or anyone that's trying to... that I, I've, I've You know, in our It Factor mentorship, we hear so many people that say, yeah, but you guys are able to speak because you have this and this and this. And it's like, no, like, remember when I basically told Tony that, like, I was never a speaker, but right. because I had so much passion and I knew what I wanted and I portrayed that confidence, a speaking agent came up and said, we need to talk. Right. And of course, I had to, like, get my ducks in a row and, and, and say, like, well, this is what I speak on. Who's your audience? Oh, this is how it relate. But I didn't have any past credibility. Right. It was because of that story and the passion. And so your story is hopefully inspiring people right now to know that because... Right. People want to wait until it seems like they have all the success, but that's not how you create success. Right. It's it's like you almost like I tell people like don't fake it till you make it. Have confidence till you make it. Yeah. Like I and love just that. keep that confidence. That's and, so but good. don't be so, don't be someone that you're not. Like don't say that you're doing stuff when you're not doing them. Yeah. And like you can teach principles. Like you can read books and teach principles. That obviously that's what our educators do. They learn from books, they learn from, you know, certain situations and they teach out of them. That is perfectly okay. But don't tell people that you started all these companies and you've done this and you've done that. And oh, then it's gosh, like, gosh, you're going to be down a rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah. And bit. it's like, and then you're trying to be someone that you're not because it's like, and, and then, and then kind of hone in on who you are and what you want to do. Yeah. Like, don't like, if you want to speak specifically about something or teach on something or do something specifically, like kind of hone in that, be your super, like mine is culture. Like I can sit down with anybody and talk about culture and in, in, in business and in life and how you deal with people and down to personalities and the software and the management yeah. styles and rating your, like I can teach the details of that, 
But then it's also like a little self, like a motivation thing. Like you have to motivate your people. Like you have to start with you as an entrepreneur or an owner. Like, and that's kind of like what I've honed in on. Cause, and that space is, you know, is, is a great space for me. But, but I do it because I know it, right? Like yeah. I'm not trying to fake my way through things. And people like that get weeded out super quick if they're not, if, like if, if, if what they're talking about is like, this guy's not like, absolutely. Well, let's, let's dive into culture. If someone's listening right now, they run, um, you know, they run a, a multiple six-figure business. Maybe they have a few employees at most. Maybe a virtual assistant and such. It's not they don't have a mega twenty-plus employee, multi-million-dollar company yet. There right. might be someone like that, but really someone that has just a few people, and they are really trying to build this culture. I saw that you said culture is a feeling. Yeah, right? you talk about that. What would be some very tactical, strategic tips that you can provide to build this idea of culture? So we were actually talking about this with uh, with Dusky over here on the plane plane here, and it starts with the fundamentals. And what I call the fundamentals is like almost down to why you started. And it's like, why did you start this business? What what the what is the feeling like? What when you thought about creating whatever you're creating, what is that feeling? And is it is it did you want to see success? Do you want to see your name on a bill? But like, what what is this? And let's start figuring out like what the foundation, like really what the foundational thoughts were on your business. And then what do you value? Let's start getting some values on paper. Is it friends? Is it family? Is it your employees? Is it teamwork, success? What, like if, all these what if someone says, oh, well, like, of course, I, they're a good person. I, I value friends and family and all these things. Like, doesn't everyone value that? Like, right. how do you hone in to? But it's like, but, but, but then we got to get, get into like, why, why are you doing what you're doing? And what are you going to value on the way there? What are you going to value? Like, what is going to be your non-negotiables forever? Is it, you know, ours is, you know, we have experience. We have giving back as one of our, mm-hmm. one of our values. We have financial success because I believe in our employees having financial success as well as us because we're here to make money so we can pay you. Like that's our whole yeah. goal and work together and all like, so what, what do we, what is the values that we're going to have non-negotiables that every single day we're going to practice? So would you say it's like a top three, maybe five yeah, at most? three to five. <laughs> we have six because we threw in financial success, yeah. but yeah, I mean, and the, I would, I would say stick with them. Like, so like don't, brain dump a bunch of values, all these things that you really yeah. stand for. And then really then cipher down what are the top three to six at most. Exactly. And then that way, now you can have some clarity because all the other things is what you are, but you need to get precise on the Pre- non-negotiable. So in my wallet, which I actually don't have and lost, but I do have a card. I actually, we have actually culture cards and they have our mission statement on one side with our tagline, oh, Adventure cool. Without Limits, and on the other side, it's our values. And so what I teach people, like, hey, we're going to manage through the values and we're going to live our values and we're going to live through the culture. It's not a saying in a mission statement on a business card or on a billboard or on something, you know, inside your business or whatever that you never talk about. It's going to be our daily lives. And so we create those values and we create a, a mission statement based on those values. Mm-hmm. And so what, the, what is the mission statement? The mission statement is why are we here and why are we doing what we do? Like why are you coming in late? Why are you coming in early or, or staying late and coming in early? Why are you going the extra mile? And what are we even here to do? Like what is the purpose of this business and this mm-hmm. company? What is the purpose of this team? Like I've done it in network marketing teams of like you, like I know you have the company's mission, but what is your mission? Everybody has a different dream and vision. And so you need to kind of align your team with why you're doing what you're doing. And it's like, I got to explain it with Dusky. It's like, a, it's like getting a freeway. The most confusing sense of a freeway is the spaghetti bowl. Everybody's kind of all over the place and then everything goes different directions. And so when you're getting everybody moving in the same direction, oh, yeah. and it doesn't have to be at the same speed, but if you're moving in the same direction, 
and you're all going the same way, the team can do amazing things. And so we lay down those foundational pieces with a vision statement of what, what kind of company can you imagine this company being? What is the mission statement? What do you do? Why are you coming into work? And then a value statement of why those values mean something to you and kind of defining really deep those values. And then we start to create that foundation and then we can go, we can start working together of, okay, like, you know, ours is we take people on outdoor adventures, providing great products, excellent customer service while welcoming them to the Haugen RV family. And it's adventure without limits. And our, our hedgehog concept is a customer experience. How do we do, we, every time we get in meetings, everybody has to pull out their culture card. Everybody got it? Yep, put it away. Someone's got to say the mission statement from memory. Okay, so, so whenever you do a meeting, you have someone yeah, say Two or it. more people. Okay. Now, now memory, you have to memorize all the values. Now say all the values, all six of them. Okay, say it. What are three examples that we, we practice our values? How we work I love together? That. That's and great. so it's managing through that and getting people to understand like why we come to work because it's a deeper purpose. If you if you base a company just off of money and like even yourself, that kind of caps out because then you're training your whole team to chase money. Whether whether they, and then they they get an offer from someone else and you taught it, you trained them to go chase money. Yes. And so we're creating a foundational piece and culture in that feeling of when you come into that dealership or, 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 you know, a business, like for us, like, how do you feel? How are you being treated? Why are we doing what we do? Why, why, you know, do we have the form? Like everything is a reason why, cause I'm the why guy. Like, you know, my daughter's four. Why, 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 why? I want to give people the meaning behind the reason we're doing things. And I want to give them a why in everything we do. Mm. It's like when I was coaching, I helped my buddy coach basketball and he would just yell at him. And I'm like, do you got some why? Like, why are they supposed to move over here when the guy's over here and they're supposed to transfer? You know, he's just telling them to transfer. You got to tap into the subconscious mind and tell them yeah. the why. Because they the have reason. to have a reason for everything, right? They have to have a, why do you move over here? Because the possibility of this guy coming over here and all these moving pieces and it ends up being like, you know, like, and so it's, it's the why behind building the team and creating the money, I call it the money ball approach to building those executive teams, like through our softwares and through everything with me specifically. But it's getting the right people, the right people on the right bus in the right seats to move forward to the one mission. Like, like we have yeah. to be here. We have to have that dream and align and goal for the one mission. What we're, what we're here for. There, there's a really that's very well said, and I want to go even deeper on that. There's a there's a uh, a study in influence and in psychology, and it's a very simple one, but it's to go with the reasoning with mm -hmm. why something matters. And uh, you may have heard of this before, but they have uh, they did a test in an office where. Uh, there's a line of people waiting for the fax machine, and this is this is relative to many different situations. And someone tries to say, "Hey, I got to get to the front of the line. Um, can can I cut?" And when you don't have a reason, the chances of them letting you go up there is like 26%. Right. But when you say, "Hey, I really got to use the fax machine because," and you could put any type of reasoning after that, the chances or the 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 statistics of you getting in front of the line was like. 60 something percent right when you have a, a, a reasonable and understanding reason so like hey i gotta get in front of line because uh my, my child's running late or something and there's a little more emotion mm -hmm. it's like 80 plus percent right. um, butchering the numbers but it's that much of a drastic change just because people when you say the word because it almost puts people in a trance like you said the subconscious because whatever follows after that is what means, oh, well, I should listen to this. And right. so if you just say, hey, uh, we need to do these core values, 
great. Why? Like right. in their head, they're saying that they're not as bought in, but like, hey, we're going to do these core values because, and then you bring it back to them right. because I know that it's going to bring more efficiency to you. I know that it's going to make your life actually easier in this company because we're aligned. Right. That's a different level of leadership. And I right. think I want to have you touch up on that because I've noticed that with, with leaders is they tend to forget to bring everything back to what's in it for them as the other people right instead most times leaders still think well i'm going to share reasons but it really comes back to what's the best thing for me and my company right and you could you do so well with making it about the team and and what they're doing so if someone is uh wanting to apply getting the why the mission the values and then being able to make it applicable in their company but they've never done this and their team's been with them for like a year or two and they're going to be like like, this is weird. Like, why do we have to start stating this? Are we joining a cult? Like, right. like, what would be the steps to make this transition for someone like that? Meeting with the team and saying, and kind of just having that, I call them cultural realignment meetings. Of like, hey, like, we're going we're gonna to create a culture and foundation because really, like, this is why I started the company. This is what we've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like our mission statement, because a lot of people do have mission statements, but hey, really, like we're, really doesn't make sense now. Like, really, like, and sometimes they evolve. Mission statements always evolve and values always evolve and they change, but I don't recommend changing them very quickly. Like, you know, be slow, take a yeah. couple years, you know, in between the changes, but meet with that team and, and lay, your, lay the vision down and the why behind it and say, we want to do this together. Like my beginning, like I have a podcast and it used to be like businesses uh, at the beginning of the, the intro, you say business is not a pyramid, it's a round table. And so I treat my company like that. It's well fitting where you came from yeah, previously. Right. And so I'm like, I want a round, like in our boardrooms, like I want round tables. Yeah. There's no head of the table. My last name's on the building. I'm signing the checks, but we have to make this decision together. And I will tell you, it's important to me. So I'm kind of telling you guys, we have to have a vision statement, a mission statement, and a reason why we got to get this group because our goal is whatever you know, better customer experience. We got to treat our employees better to give our better customer experience. We, we, we all need to be aligned. I would really have a hard time thinking that someone would be not okay with that on your team. And if right. they are not okay with that, you need some non-negotiables in your life and say, you know, thank you for your time. We're going to move in a different direction yeah. or whatever that, you know, you redeploy them in the workforce because you're trying to get people that are aligned with you that are here, that are on your team, big fans yes. of you and big fans of the company and not just, a, a, uh, a talent search. So I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but I can use the Lakers as a great example. It's winning championships is not all about talent. It's about teams working together in unison for the same dream. Yeah. Lakers Case are point is the Lakers. Example. They had some of the best, most talented people yeah. that you can say can be on a basketball team right now. One of those individuals got traded and that team didn't even want him. And he's not even, I don't even know if he's an Like I don't know what, what's going on with him. And so it's not all about talent. It's putting the right people in their superpowers, in their lane, doing what they love to do and having those conversations of like, what do you love? What do you hate? What, how do we help, help this? So it's getting the, that team around and creating it your, like as a team. So like everything we do right now is as an executive team, as a manager team, a director's team, the, the dealerships are in teams. Like everybody's in teams because we're playing and, and we're all scoring from the same scorebook, from the same playbook. Like we're all playing, we're all in one team, mm-hmm. but everybody acts as like, you know, their own teams and they have ownership in that. And I really believe in Napoleon Hill, love that, you know, all of his books, the mastermind. And so I treat yeah. all of my meetings and like my board meetings or whatever you want to call them as masterminds. 
hey, we have a problem, let's figure, find a solution. I don't wanna have all the right answers because I'm not trying to create a superstar-based business based off mm -hmm. of me. If I have all the right answers, if I'm in Mexico, how, how am I supposed to serve them? So I put a lot of credibility on everybody else. If they got problems like on the front lines, it, it, usually the, your frontline people have better solutions than you do because they're closest to the problem. Yeah. And so I put a, like, they asked me, hey, what about this? I don't know, what are your thoughts? Oh, I think we should do it this way. Some Socratic method. Yeah, so it's like putting all that on them, then they have ownership of it. Like, hey, I came out with this idea. Right. And it's working through the credibility ladder, what I call it, of like, hey, like if I needed, if I need something done at the store level, I go to that general manager and be like, hey, this is gonna be your idea, right? You're gonna have to take mm. ownership of it. And you're gonna tell all everybody that we're gonna clean the lot or we're gonna come up with these signs or do this or do this meeting, whatever like that, because I need the credibility run through you. I don't need I don't need the credibility. You need the credibility. I'm trying so to coach you. That's a great way to up. give that that leadership to him. What would you recommend for when you do these round tables? There's usually from what I've found, even though you have a, a group discussion, there's usually people that take over more than others. And you mm -hmm. obviously want to hear from a lot of people. What would be like a quick tip or something to make sure that there is everyone has a, a partake in this and it's not just the few that are speaking up more? So sometimes I will have like a, I usually have an agenda before and it's sent out by my assistant and it's going to be either like round table discussion, every department presents for five minutes. So I make sure I hear from everybody what that's, their thoughts. Here's good. the subject. Here's what you need to say. This is what it's going to be. And so we're all going there with the expectation. Hopefully they've already prepared. And we get in there and then we start talking about the thoughts. It's all being recorded, it, actually like audio and video recorded in all our meetings, plus someone's typing everything. Is this everything on Zoom or is this uh, uh, Most of them is in person, but person. I have a, a, a Teams transcribes, trans, like it's, you know, we do through Microsoft Teams mm -hmm. and we just put it up and then we actually have a little speaker in the middle that it transcribes everybody's voices. And then we also have notes wow. and different things like that. Um, and we have those roundtable discussions. Like, you know, when I, what we're doing, um, like our hedgehog concept is going to be customer experience. I'm bringing in all the, the general managers for a mastermind and they're literally like almost like there's no agenda. Our agenda is to leave the meeting, figuring out what our, and how to give better customer experience. And so like there's different things that you can do, but a lot of it's just like, Hey, like I make sure that every single person has a seat at the table as far as every department, mm -hmm. like oftentimes HR is overlooked. I really don't know why, because they're like, you're keep you out of risk, right? They're your risk mitigators. And so if you want to come out with this, whatever it is, this concept, your HR department usually needs to check that. So I keep everybody at the table. Our media guy, our analytics guy, everybody has a seat at the table because it affects everybody. Right. So, and we, we talk and we like, hey, we have all these plans. We call the, the general manager, whoever, you know, hey, how's it, how would this affect everybody? You know, okay, it's going to affect these. Or we can maybe come out with a policy and there's like 14 people it's going to affect. Okay. Let's go to those 14 people. How, you know, what are your thoughts? How you do this? Can we give you a transition period? This or that. We, we talk about how to coach it or we talk about, and then we, we coach it and then we, you know, we, we make a game plan with it. That's really good. Yeah. It's a conscious intention, the way that you run things. Everything and, has to be intentional. And you have to not see anyone as less than or above. Like it's, it's a group collective and it's like the body, right? right? Every single part of our body, like the brain, you know, is different than the feet, but without the feet, like the brain won't be able to do everything it wants, right? right. It, it comes to a collective. How does play, how does faith play into your, your business life? You're, you're obviously a big man of faith, which yeah. I love and yeah. love the yeah. cross that yeah. you're wearing for anyone that's watching them on YouTube here. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit more 
flashy. A couple flashy. Of more, a little more dazzle. Flashy than I asked yeah. for, but one that's day what it I'll, did I'll have one of those. Yeah, I got a guy. I got a guy. <laughs> across is across, as yeah. we both know. And yeah. um, you know, that's that's one thing when we co uh, connected here, because you know, some people might think like, where did this partnership come from? Just a few weeks ago, we we met yeah. and we got to get on a Zoom and didn't have much expectation on the Zoom in the sense of like. There was no agenda. I just wanted to connect, and I just found out how incredible you are, and, and how there was actually a lot of synergies. And and then when I really found out about your mission and your heart, and finding that you are um, a lover of Jesus Christ and you are devoted in your faith, uh, it, it says a lot about you. And I would love to know. And we'll talk about other areas in your life, but how does faith play in your business? Is there anything specific that you do that's different than normal? What does that look um, like? I I think that because I feel like I'm, you know, doing it for the right reasons because it's based off of faith that mm -hmm. I have been able to, you know, have success because I feel like I am doing things for the right reasons and I'm not trying to be someone that I'm not. But a lot of it has just come from like the foundational values and the principles of how right. I operate in my life and that that means a lot to me. And, you know, I I, I lived through that. Like, you know, I went to a, a private Christian school for almost 14 years, literally from, you know, preschool all the way to graduated high school, the same school, same place. And it means a lot to me because like my dad always says like, hey, God owns everything and he can take away in two seconds. Like, so you know, glorify him and everything that you do. And at the end of the day, it's his decision on what happens. Just have faith that, you know, you're going to be able to do what you do. And it's the ability through him and living through him. Um, it, it's been a huge thing. And like back in my mom and dad used to do these huge events they used to have these church services with 10, 15,000 people in them every Sunday. I mean, that was incredible to see. I mean, we had our own little worship band that would tour with us because that was really important to my mom and dad. Um, but it has definitely laid the foundation of who I am as a person and why I want to do what I want to do and why I'm so like a burning desire to help people because there's no better. Like, you know, you read the book called The Servant and they talk about Jesus Christ as being like one of the best servant leaders mm. in history. And... Like that, that, that's like, I'll never be him, but that's who I want to be. Yeah. It sets that foundation for you. The yeah. principles, the values. Yeah. Do you, um, do you find it where, do you find it tough sometimes having that faith in business? Do you feel like there's, uh, do you feel like you have to sometimes suppress it or are you just like so bold that like, Hey, if someone gets rubbed the wrong way, then, then so be it. That's their issue. Yeah. It's tough, especially in this, like, you know, crazy culture of cancel culture and different stuff, but I don't care. I'm, I'm me. I'm yeah. going to be me. And I hope that people can respect that. I hope that people, you know, if I haven't seen you in 10 years, I hope when you meet me, you're like, you're, dude, you're the same goofy dude that, you know, I've known you for 10 years. And I, that means the most to me. And I will never, you know, deny it. I will always be who I am. I always, you know, everybody know. I mean, that's why, you know, I, I mean, I have a massive tattooed cross on my back, so I can literally never have that taken off me. <laughs> but that is a reason why, um, I, I got, I mean, I was 18 years old. I remember, I mean, dude, this is crazy. It's February 2nd. <laughs> um, again, weird dates of 2012. Really? Um, yeah, I got that tattoo and it, you know, it's, it's pretty big on my back. And I'm like, I, and my mom was like, why'd you get that? And she, I was like, because I never want to be able to deny anything. Wow. And she's like, okay, like that's a pretty strong, bold statement. And I'm, I'm kind of proud of that. You know, like I can literally never deny it. And I don't, like, I don't want to, and it's a, it's a major part of my life. And like, especially with what I did, went through in 2018 with almost dying, like that, that was a huge reset because that was a crazy time in my life because 
like I kind of walked, was walking away from God. Like I, I was going through marriage problems. My business was failing. I was losing everything. And I'm like, what did I do to deserve this? Like I, I tried to be that like, and all these things. And I feel like I was being put through some tests to, mm. to see. And I, I think if, you know, I was having a conversation with God, he'd be like, you failed, man. Cause like I've, I walked, like, I was like, you know, kind of screw this. Like I, like I'd done everything. So I that, at that moment is where you actually started. Yeah. And then away. when I had that crazy moment in the hospital, I'm like, well, share, share with people. I think it's, it's, it's well-timed right now for you to share this. Cause this story you're about to share right now is I, I couldn't even imagine when you talked about the, the, the depth and the severity of what you went through. Uh, let people know what, what, what's going on here. Yeah. So in 2018, it was it was in March of 2018. I think it was like March 16, something like that, of of 2018. I did a bodybuilding competition, and and my body, like, I am I'm so extreme, and I was an idiot. I will I did everything the dumbest way you could do. Um, like I would push myself past the limits. I would purposely not drink water and be in dehydrated states. I was like I was I don't and I don't know why. It's just that burning desire to win, right? It's just my personality. You know, if I was doing the stair climber at 120 steps a minute for 60 minutes, and I can go another 60 minutes without taking off my hoodie and not drinking an ounce of water, watch me. And I would push myself and grind like everything I had into that competition. Um, I wanted to prove to myself that I could do something and, and I wanted to win. And I knew, you know, some of the guys were looking like that I, that I was going up against and I'm like, hey, another 30 minutes. And I'm like, and my coach at the time did not know I was doing all this. And as you're losing, like I lost 35 pounds in one month. And he's like, how are you losing all this weight? And I'm like, I'm just, you know, I don't know. Like this. And he's trying to adjust different things. And I'm like lying to him and everything. Like mm. I just wanted to keep pushing and being the leanest I could possibly be. Well, I did the bodybuilding competition. I was lean. I won first place in, in a class. That was awesome. Well, so what was the percentage you were at with the bodybuilding? So I did a bod pod and I was like 0.95%. percent body like, fat. And they actually wanted to take me to the hospital and they're like, you are going to die. They that literally is... were screaming at me. You're going to, I'm like, no. I'm like one foot in the grave, baby. I literally said one foot in the grave. Then I'm like, I'll be two feet knee deep before I go to the that's hospital. That's almost unheard of. And I used like, to be a nurse and, and that would be someone that's literally almost basically dead. Is so I was, I was a for, walking. So, just so people can know. 10% is where you start to see abs for most people. Uh, women is usually a couple percent more because they're being a woman. Uh, but 10%, 6% is like shredded. And five, maybe four is like you are Mr. Olympia, like shredded type of physique. Right. 0.9. Yeah. And that, and that was from a bod pot. I mean, you can argue with me. I don't know if it was right or Even wrong. Even if it was one point three. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but I, I mean, you could see every striation in my my everything. You could see oh, everything we gotta, we in my skin. Find one of these like it, it was crazy. Um, but I kept telling everybody, like, I'm gonna kill my. I'm like, it was just stupid thinking. And you know, everybody's screaming at me, telling me to stop. I'm like, I'll be way steep in a grave before I stop this. Like, it's not only one foot. Like, I'm gonna go to the extreme. And it's okay, now I'm going to stop eating as much as I'm supposed to. And I'm going to keep doing all the cardio. And this was before doing, or after the competition? This was before. And so yeah. I'm taking all these pills and all this stupid stuff to get leaner and all these fat burners and literally sleeping in a bathtub Probably full of so ice. Probably so much caffeine too. Oh, yeah. I was sleeping in a bathtub full of ice because I'm nonstop sweating. Like, and I was taking some crazy fat burners and stuff. Like, literally, like I was sleeping in a bathtub full of – like I, I – it was – I remember installing cabinets and being in the middle of a snowstorm 
and I was in shirts and a tank top sweating because of all the stuff I was taking, like and dangerous stuff, like the, one of the world's most dangerous drugs. Obviously it was not prescribing that one of the world's most dangerous drugs that I have actually told a lot of these pro, I've met a bunch of Mr. Olympias. They cannot believe that I took what I took. And I'm like, I just wanted to do it. Like I could, you know, you could take this stuff and lose 10 pounds without working out in a week. I mean, this stuff is insane. Jeez. You know, talk about ephedra. That's a little pip, pipsqueak compared to what this stuff was. Um, and so I took that. It was stupid. And it was, it was literally, so it was fertilizer. Literally was popping fertilizer. Buy it from the plant store, pop it. Crazy. Um, I don't, I did not realize how dangerous it was at the time because you can't, you can overdose, but the problem is you can't reverse the overdose. You just die. So I was always balancing in this balancing act of almost dying and I didn't really understand what was going on. I was just trying to look a certain way. Did the bodybuilding competition and I did the competition in the morning. And then, so you usually do, you know, your, all your stuff and not really your routine, but you go out and do the thing in the morning mm -hmm. and at night you go, you know, you do your routine at night. I started to be like, I'm puffy. And I haven't really eaten anything. What's going on? And so I'm like, whatever. I go out and do my thing. I looked, it still looked really good. And so that night I go, you know, have my cheat meal and go with my family. And you're supposed to reverse diet out of things. Yeah. I didn't. And so now that that really mattered, I was so sick that I couldn't even hardly eat. I remember on Wednesday following that. So the bodybuilding competition was on Saturday. Wednesday I went to a Utah Jazz game and I went to the bathroom. And it, it was painful to go to the bathroom. I'm like, what the heck? I looked down. And it was like black coffee was coming out of my, like my pee was like black coffee. Like, and this says, is disgusting, it was like chunky black coffee. And I'm like, something's wrong. Um, but I'm still gonna go to the jazz game. And so I went to the jazz game. And in the jazz game, my feet had swelled up and I started swelling, I started to get so sick, I couldn't walk out of the jazz game. So my buddy helped me up, same best friend that helped me with the, with, with the construction. Um, went home. Hit it from my wife, this is my ex-wife now, but hit it from my wife at the time and was like, something's going on, I can't breathe, everything, I'm loopy. By Friday, I was, I was swelled up so much, dude. I went from 175 pounds to 265 pounds between Saturday and Friday. How? Water. I started to swell up with water. And retain water. Were you drinking I'm, a lot of water? I was drinking water, trying to just, you know, flush, flush, but I uh, I was in full-blown 100% kidney failure. And so I stopped, like the last pee that I remember having was that at the jazz game, and then it finally was like, shut off. And so I remember going to work, I was working during this all the time. Dude, and, and I have pictures of my feet, dude. I have 18-inch around ankles, and I'm just, I'm swelling, I can't, I can't breathe. I mean, my body's not used to having all this fluid on it, right? And so, which your body's not supposed to have that much fluid anyway. And so I go to work, I'm laying on the couch. So this is all happening. You're not going to the hospital. Yet. No, and I'm not even telling my, ex, my wife because oh, I would leave man. before she got up and I would get home purposely when she was asleep because I didn't want to tell her the reality of what's going on that I'm like, something's wrong. She didn't like the bodybuilding competition anyway. And so I didn't want her to be like, this is why, I, like, this is another reason why you don't like it. Yeah. And so I'm at work and I remember like going and showing some customers a trailer and I'm like forgetting where I'm at. And I'm like, Everything is fuzzy. Like I felt, I'm not even gonna say I felt high. I felt like I wasn't even there. And so I go back, lay on the couch. I'm laying on the couch and I'm in pain like crazy. And I'm like, something's wrong. My, my arm's tingling. I'm, I'm not, I don't feel good. And they're like, do you really need to go home? Like, this is like, this is dangerous, this is bad. And I'm like, maybe this is normal. I'm like, man, I shouldn't have ate those fries at the jazz. And that's what I kept saying because I thought it was the fries. And so I drive myself 60 miles and I live 60 miles from the dealership. I don't really remember that. 
I stopped by my aunt and she's screaming at me. She's kind of a holistic, um, does a lot of different things. She's screaming at me to go to the emergency room. And for her to tell you to go to the emergency room, like you got an arm cut off. And she's like, your grandma died over this. Like you're in kidney failure. And I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. So I go home and I'm like, her name is Kennedy. I'm like, Kennedy, something's wrong. And she's like, why do you think something's wrong? And I pull my pants up and I'm just, I'm like elephantitis. Like, dude, it's, it's starting to split my skin. I'm like, I don't feel good. And she's like crying and screaming. I don't remember this, but I got in my car and drove myself to the hospital. And so I get to the hospital and I'm like, hey, I'm have something wrong. I'm swelling. Like what's going on? And so, and I'm sorry, this is a long story. I'm just, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm like walking through everything. Yeah, I can remember I, it so vividly. I, I could feel this. I like, remember the, I go into the check into the emergency room and I'm just there by myself, you know, waiting for the lady to come help me check in. And she's like, why do you think like, you know, something's wrong? And so I grab, I'm in sweats. I grab my sweats and pull them up. And she stared at me, jaw dropped and hit her little beeper on her little necklace. And was like emergency and then the code, whatever. And I'm like, dude, they slapped me back on a backboard flipped me back in the emergency room, put an IVs in me. They were going to put an IO, which I don't know if you know what an IO is. Yeah. Into, oh yeah. You're a nurse. Your bone. So they were like, let's give them an IO. And I'm like screaming, no, no, I don't like want an IO. Up, drill it into your bone. Yeah. Be, and they usually sometimes they do it right here or yeah. in your shoulders or whatever, but straight into your bone. Because the veins are so like weak because you're really Dude, so I'm just so dehydrated, right? Yeah. And so they couldn't get any blood out and like all the, and so what they did was they ended up giving catheters in my, they started getting a scalpel and just in water's draining out of my feet onto the ground. They're throwing catheters or whatever they call them through my feet to start draining the water out of it. Um, they finally got a vein to, to open up where I could get an IV. Um, I, in the emergency room, I was on, I was sucking the IV through, man. I, I remember them saying, you've been through 21 bags and you've not been able to pee. They're like, you're not even creating urine. And I'm like, Okay, like, and this time, like, nobody's there. I'm by myself, and so my my wife comes finally, my mom and dad come, and they're just livid, and they're like, "What what is going on?" Because they are always have always been against the bodybuilding competition, and I'm like cracking Joe. I'm like, oh, "It's fine, whatever." And the doctor's like, "It's not fine. Like, he isn't like we we don't know if he's gonna make it." Like, and I'm like, "I feel fine." They're like, "You are not fine." Like, they were doing all these tests on my heart and everything. Like, you're in a complete organ failure. Like, they're calling. Is it Uno? I don't know. The Uno's people for the transplant. Like, they're the freaking, like, I'm like, and I'm like, you guys are overreacting. And they're like, they're like getting mad at me. So I go do all these tests and they're like, yeah, you're in full-blown kidney failure. Your CK levels are in it. Like, I think, I, I looked at my paper. I think I told people it was 60, it was like 87,000. Which normal was, is like, what, less than 100 or? It's like maybe 150 for an athlete. 150 and you're in? 87,000. 87, um, my blood was so thick they couldn't even pull it out. Like, I had to do these, like, and so, it was crazy. Like it was just the craziest experience. And so I finally get up into the ICU and they're trying to keep me alive and they're trying to figure out what a game plan is. And so my mom and dad actually left. My wife went home and so I was by myself and I'm in all these things hooked up to me and all these monitors. And I'm just thinking of like, why did I, why did I do this to myself? But at the time I'm like, it's not that bad. Like I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Like people do bodybuilding competitions all the time. It's fine. And about three o'clock in the morning, I remember kind of yeah, I felt this like tingling in my left arm, tingling in my arm, started to lose my feeling and everything. And I'm like, what's going on? And I remember this massive pain in my chest that almost jerked me forward and was like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? I remember trying to reach for the beeper and I, you know, I'm hooked to machine so I can hear the beep of my heart. I remember hearing the flat line and just like, and don't really remember anything after that. I remember, I remember reaching for the, 
the beeper and not being able to reach it and then just sitting there tensing up in pain and thinking like something's not right. And then I can hear my, my heartbeat getting slower and I'm like, but you know what the crazy thing was is selfishly, I felt so much peace. And, and the weirdest thing, I knew where I was going. I knew I had a relationship and mm-hmm. like, I'm like, and, and, I, and then I'm questioning, like, well, I haven't been to church, you know, this comp because all these things and my, my posing practices during church time. So I didn't really go. And like, I did a lot of, like, I, I could, I'm going to hell because like all these things are racing through my mind. And it seemed like time just slowed. And all of a sudden I heard my flat line and I just closed my eyes and was like, this is it. And boom, I got defibrillated back to, to reality oh and was like looking at all these people and staring, like people screaming. Like, I'm like, I didn't really know what's going on. A chaplain comes in, holds my hand and starts to pray with me. And I'm like, like in my mind, like, I can't speak. I, I remember that vivid, I cannot, I can't speak. In my mind, I'm thinking like, what is everybody doing? Why is everybody? Wow, so you were, you so, were hearing this in your mind. Yeah, I'm like, it's almost in like a weird mind state. Yeah. And so the chaplain is like, do you need anybody to call? And I'm like looking at him. And I remember them saying like, you're, you're, your uh, emergency contact is Alfred Metzler. And I'm like, that's my grandpa. He's been dead for years. And so they obviously couldn't talk. They couldn't call anybody to come in and be like, hey, Jason's not going to make it. I mean, they literally were like, you're not going to make it. And so they're like, we can't defibrillate you again. You can't take it. And so I remember being like, just thinking like, you know, my wife was pregnant at the time with my daughter, like all of these things. And I'm like, I cannot believe I did this to my family. And I'm like, but you know what? I know they're going to be in good hands. I'm okay. And I remember going to sleep and they, they, I kind of went unconscious. They said that they were sitting there with the paddles cause they would do it again if I got desperate or they got desperate, but it was going to give me long-term damage. And they were, and I just remember thinking and like having, it was almost like a conversation with myself and God, like they're going to be okay. And it's like, no, they're not you. They need you. I'm like, no, they're going to be fine. They need you. Wow. Like, and it's like fight and like fight and like fight. And I don't know how long it was, but I remember just like kind of like open up my eyes and there's still people around me, bright lights and everything. And, and then I just, the chaplain stayed there with me and he's like, I'm gonna keep you awake. And I still couldn't really talk at this time. I was so out of it. And he stayed with me all night long until the next morning, my family came in and they're thinking nothing's wrong because they haven't heard. They're, hey, joking. And at that time I kind of hate come back. Um, I had over, I like, I had a like, you know, the swelling was still huge. I have a picture in my hospital. I'm, I look like this huge, I'm like all, my skin splitting. I'm miserable. I'm just sitting there hooked up all these machines. And like, they're sitting there with me. And I was actually, my mother-in-law was, their ex-mother-in-law was there with me. And the doctor came in and was like, well, that was one of the craziest nights. You made it through last night. Your heart's the, like, they, like they're doing all these tests, everything. And then my mother-in-law was like, what happened? And then like the lady just sat there and I'm like, I'm mad at the doctor. I'm like, what happened to HIPAA? Like, you, I don't, I, cause I didn't want them to know. Like, why did you just out, oust me in front of my whole family? Like my, my mother-in-law is sitting here. Mm-hmm. And so I had to have like the hard conversations with them about like, I guess yeah, last night sucked, but like that, that like in thinking about, like I obviously sat there and for the hospital a couple days and I'm just thinking like, I don't want, like I want, I have a bigger purpose for why I'm here. And everybody that came in, like my pastor came in, everybody's coming in, like you have a bigger purpose. Even the doctor was like, wasn't your time last night. And I'm like, hmm. she's like, you should have not been here. Like you were in full-blown kidney failure. You're in full-blown liver failure. You're in, your heart is failing. 
and we can't keep it like we're having to give me medication different things and like now they're like and all to keep me moving right and then like you're like your body like it's it's almost like your mind is like not fighting but your body is fighting to yeah. keep it alive and i'm like and so that was that was hard man like i almost get emotional right now because like it's the craziest moment of my entire life where it's like it, it, okay now i'm here for a, a bigger purpose and it's like don't screw it up i can't screw it up and so like I, i'm and i'm still dealing with situations i still yeah. am in i'm in stage four kidney disease i need transplants i'm in i'm in stage three liver disease i have a heart disease um i have i have like a short like, like all these things are going on wrong with me and it's like i I'm dealing with that now and it's almost a constant reminder of every time I deal something is how dumb I was, but then how precious life can be. Yeah. And like, I still have to, like, when I fly, I'm the guy with the compression socks because my body starts to swell and my, my heart can't take it. And so Dude. like, you know, I like, and I've had multiple doctors be like, you have a couple years to live. I've already, well, I have one doctor tell me you might have five years to live. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy, five years mark was a couple months ago. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm here. And like, you know, I've, I know that I, but that now that drive and that bigger purpose keeps me, keeps me driving. Sorry, I know that was a long story, no, I'm, but it was the craziest time and the most eye-opening time and the most I've ever got to just look at myself time I've ever had of why am I here? Like, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Why was I born into this family? Like, why? Like, it's like, I want answers to everything. And I truly feel, and this is my personal opinion, and it obviously doesn't matter what anybody thinks, is I am here for a bigger purpose to help and impact people. Absolutely. And just, you know, podcast is influence. Like, I want to positively influence people to do better with their life because life is precious. And you never know when it's going to get taken away. You never know when it's going to get taken away. Well, I just, I know, man, that, I know I'm not the only one right now that was just, I was in a trance listening to that because, like you said, you were going back into that scene. I was playing through that scene and I was seeing that and feeling that. And, you know, for that, the person right now that's listening, I'm, I'm sure that was the same. So even though that was a long story, that was a well-needed story. And your story is what's going to liberate people so they don't have to ever go through that moment, but they can know what it means from you in a very realistic way, what it means to be at the brink of death and, and what it means to have a bigger purpose. Uh, what a freaking phenomenal story, dude. Like, Thank you. I don't recommend anyone to have to try to get that story right. to live yeah. that way yeah. and to have their purpose, but you are someone that has turned a, a terrible situation, which you still feel repercussions to this day. Right. And, and we've been talking about stem cells and exosomes yeah. to hopefully reverse that. Yeah. And uh, that'll be something that'll be really exciting for you. Uh, but that right there, man, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm trying to really just bring it in because that was just a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things have been happening for you just a few years ago and you're just pivoting and moving and growing and you know, no one really, maybe there'll be some relatable stories, but what can you say for someone? What could be a word of advice that allows them to understand that preciousness of life? Like you said, like you described that well, but what, what would be some words of advice to let people know right now when they're done listening to this podcast this interview that they can go see life differently that they could understand the 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 fragility of their family and what they got like what would you say to them oh man that's that's deep because you know i i would say like ask you are you living your purpose your a purposeful life 
Are you doing the things that you want to do? Are you doing them for the right reasons? Are you feeling fulfilled? Do you look yourself in the mirror and you love the person looking back at you? And if you, if you can't do any of those things or you can't say that I love the person, figure out how to, how to love that person and live that purpose and, and to wake up and live every day because you don't know when it's going to be your last. Trust me, when I was sitting in that jazz game watching, I'll never forget, man, we won by like 50 points in the Utah Jazz, 40 points. It was the most miserable game I've ever been to. We had the Detroit Pistons. And, but I never will forget that because that was a, like a defining moment in my life that was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make a decision to live my life in a different way. Now, how I've been perfect? No. Like following that, you know, like through a bunch of problems that happened before that situation, you know, me and my, ex, you know, my ex-wife, we, get, we got divorced, but we are still like best friends. Like she is my go-to I love her and her husband to death. Like that's my that's my daughter's mom. Like they're family. That like that's my people right there. And so, like, but but I made that decision. Everything in my life is the decision to be, you know, something or do something. Like I am making the decision to have a great relationship with my ex-wife and her husband and her kids. Like I'll have each girl, all the girls in my arms. Like, like I've made the decision to live that purposeful life because you know what? The little things don't matter. Like these little fights, these little arguments, these little things in business, like. I always, is this going to matter in five years? Is it going to matter in 10 years? That sounds so silly, but trust me, it doesn't. Like, and living that purposeful life on your terms, how you want to live it, and getting up every single day and being excited to live that life is what life is about. That is success. That is happiness to me. It's not all these bank accounts, all this surface level stuff. Like everything can go away. Like, like everything can go away, but it, it's, you know, the relationships with the people that care more about you deeply than the things that you have and not trying to be someone you're, you're not and living fulfilled, like living freely, mm. that, let's, living freely in the life that you want where you're not trying to fake the life that you want and live all these things, but it's living freely in that and having a purpose to wake up every so single well day. So said. Yeah, you, man, I, I hope, you know, you listening right now just... You get to see life differently because you got to live through the lens of someone who almost lost their life. And you get to see the success he's created now from that. He's not just living an ordinary life. He's living an extraordinary life. (laughs) And you have a lot going ahead for you. And, you know, there's there's just a few more points that I want to quickly touch up on. And you've been bringing it up multiple times. And I want people to know this about you. Because we're going to, I want to go into what the vision looks like, big picture, because you know, if you're not following uh, Jason over here yet, you should. You should see what he's doing. Tune into his podcast. We'll have all that linked below. But this man's not going anywhere. He's only going up and he's going bigger. And, well, and I'm you. sure you'll be seeing us doing a lot of amazing things. And so that's why I want to really get into the, the, the vision of what you have. But you've been talking multiple times about your parents and your family. And I love, first off, how you're not feeling like you're in the shadow of them, you're creating your own. And right. you know, that I could only imagine that type of lifestyle to, to be in that type of shadow, but you're creating your own, which is amazing. And I respect that a lot, but give, give people just a quick glance. Like your parents are world renowned yeah. through Amway, through the network marketing uh, and the people they met. I just want you to yeah. allow people to understand what, what, what they're all about. Dude, my mom and dad are some of the most amazing people on this earth. And I respect them because they did everything I believe in my eyes for the right reasons. They wanted to help people have better lives and better situations and, and better marriages and better everything better. Now they built an Amway business that was probably one of the largest in the world. Um, they were one of the most well-known and best builders of a network marketing business in the world at that time between the 80s and 90s and early 2000s or mid-2000s. I'll say late, 
late 2008, nine, you know, they, when they when they left. And they're more well known for the impacts that they've made in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And I will say that because it's factual of multimillionaires and some of them billionaires that have been created through their system and through the, my mom and dad's teachings to become, you know, their system was very powerful. And it's almost like a passing of the torch with me. And like I owe every, like I have learned so much from mom and dad. And like I owe them so much. And, you know, I'm here because of them, not yeah. because of them. You know, like they, I'm a, I'm a, you know, a, I've, I'm, I've been them. Like I've, I've had a million different seminars. We've met yeah, you a bunch of celebrities. Yeah, tour, tour buses all over. My mom and dad were gone about 300 days a year. And their small events were 10,000 people, you know, average events, 15,000 people. Um, what was the biggest one? That the biggest one was at the Georgia Dome with 97,000 people. And I, we still think to this day it's the, the largest business meeting ever held. And that was a three-day event to the point that my mom and dad, the event, um, they, were, we, they bought out the public transportation around the event center in downtown Atlanta oh. because it was so hectic. They had to move people, oh you know, in and out gosh. of the arena all the time, you know, with 97,000 people. And then they would do like a, a, a church service after. Yep, a church service after. Um, we had our, I'll never forget, their band was called Day One. An amazing band, but they toured with us everywhere. And it was it was awesome to see the impact and the movement they made across, honestly, like America and the world. They were in 32 countries, I believe, and just amazing people. And to give you the impact of my mom and dad, this is just a really short story. Is there was a guy a year later, actually, I know him. Um, his name is Jeff. He went to India to open up another network marketing company, and they're in the middle. They're eight hours from from the main airport there in India, wherever it was. I'm not gonna I'm gonna butcher all the names, but middle of a hotel, miserable he was that he was there. He was, you know, a big guy in this network marketing company. He's opening up the country. Miserable that he's there. He talks this story about how he hate, like he's calling his wife in tears about how he wants to go home because it's the get. He's got a mosquito net around his, his, his bed and there's bugs everywhere and he's not having a good time. He gets in a cab to drive four hours to the next city and they are listening to a Randy Haugen audio. And it was talking about the dream. And that he sat there and he was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like this man's words and he's like you're he actually told me this about six months ago he's like i want to tell you a story and he's like your dad kept me grinding and going and they raised that company to a billion dollars because he's like i want it he's like your dad and i'm like what he's like you're never going to believe this but like that's the impact that my dad wow. had and it's almost like a passing a torch like i said and like i i want to do like it's almost like i want to be me but i also like there's so much to learn from them and my mom and dad did everything together. They built every network marketing business together. They spoke together. My Which mom spoke at the, at the George Dome just so like my admirable. dad did. And it's like how Emily and I see ourselves. Yeah, it's 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 so cool. And like their marriage is fantastic. Like my yeah. mom and I've never seen a fighter argue. They've always hold each like the hand. They always talking. They, I mean, they go grocery shopping every day together. My dad will go to my mom's haircuts. Like there's they they wow. they, lo they are their each other's best friends. That they go camping so together all more. the time. Like it, it, it's so cool because, you know, they, for, for 30 years of their life, it was, you know, they had to entertain people and do that whole thing, which mm -hmm. is fine. But now they're like, hey, we just want our time. And sometimes like, hey, we don't even want you guys to come, like the kids. We just want like, mm -hmm. like mom and dad time. Okay. It's, it's our time. But they deserve that. And they've lived a great, great, great fulfilling life. I believe they've helped, honestly, I'll say millions of people across this oh, earth. Oh, easily. I mean, just and, to even think about those numbers of the stadiums, right? That Like, that's just a stadium. Right. And one event. I mean, still to this day, like, I, I'll beat my little, my, my plane ticket and it'll say, like, Jason Haugen, they'll look up, are you Randy and Mallory's son? 
And I'm like, yeah, they're like, oh my gosh, back in 1997, I went to an event and they did this and they spoke about this and I saw you as a baby up on stage and I'm like, cool, man, okay, I gotta go. That like, is but so I was like, that impact, you know, I, I've only ever seen kind of the product of that now. Yeah. I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for all of those times with, with, with them. Right. But it means so much to me and they are some unbelievable people. And that's why, like, I feel like I am who I, who I am. It's like, I'm not really focused on the money because I grew up in that. Like my mom and dad, we never talked about money in a good or bad way, ever talked about money. Now, my dad is cheap. Like I, the first time I ever ordered a soda at a, at a dinner was when I, you know, got married pretty much, you know, or I started making my own money. I finally was like, you can order <laughs> drinks at restaurants and not, don't have to get chicken fingers. Um, and so like, that's kind of insulting because my dad is very frugal, but like, you know, we never talked about it in a good or bad way. So like now I'm like, Hey, it's just like, it's just like, it's that's not the reason you do things. And so like their, their motivation behind anything they did was never money. Mm -hmm. It was impacting people and, and, and having, and helping other people have success. My mom always says it goes from your head to your heart. And then once you know that it goes from your head to your heart, that's when you can start filling your purpose. Mm. But when it's all in your head and you feel like you have to like, give it to your heart and your heart's going to lead the way and your heart needs to lead the way and you need to do things for the right reasons, according to your heart. That's so incredible, dude. And there's so many stories of meeting the presidents. And yeah, I mean, it's so House many. Did we White Houses? We've had personal personal Christmas cards, not even White House Christmas cards from presidents. Um, funny story: my my we knew Doctor Phil way before Doctor Phil was Doctor Phil. Um, I mean, we we hung out with all these guys. I mean, we we knew my mom and dad knew everybody. Like they everybody. I mean, they have a book this thick of all the pictures of people that they met. And wow. the White House dinners they've been on and the planes that they've been on and the people that they, I mean, like, you know, we, we had uh, Rick DeVos's and Jay Van Andel's home phone numbers um, back when you had a home phone and they were the owners of Amway and the Orlando, like they own everything. And we'd go on their private island that they owned, you know, and down in the British Virgin Islands. Like we, like it was this crazy life um, that it's hard for me to kind of, you know, almost relate to people. But at the mm -hmm. same time, like my mom was, my mom and dad always kept us grounded. They're like, hey, we're rich, you're broke. When you're 16, whatever you have in your bank accounts, what car you get. And then you got to pay for your own gas, insurance, and clothes, and phone, yeah, and all so that stuff. Yeah, so even though you had so, all the success, like, and this is where people right away can assume, like, right. you weren't you weren't given the, the, the golden spoon. No, like, I wish, man. I mean, I would have had a nicer car than I did. Like, I bought a $2,000, yeah. 1999 Chevy Blazer. I had a big crash in the side of it, but I always had goals to buy another door from the junkyard and fix it, but never <laughs> did. But, like, that, they taught us. Like, my dad grinded for nothing absolutely nothing to what he had and like that's and I, I'm, I'm still to this day like that i don't want anything from you like i don't want anything from you like yeah. i want to go make my own which is stuff. what makes your story even more impressive because you weren't you weren't just an inherited child you know yeah. and you, i tell him like if there's anything in the trust when you die you did a bad job hmm. and he was like what do you mean okay, you better spend it all go live your life go have a good yeah. time go do it like Go do all this stuff. Like you did not build, like you want to take care of us, but like don't build your life, just take care of us. Like I'm not banking on you dying. Like I hope you never do. <laughs> you know, I love my dad and my mom. But I'm like, go live your life. Like I'm not that guy. Like I don't want anything. Like I'll go create my own stuff or you donate it. Like please donate it. Like do something with it. Yeah, you'll create your own. Yeah. That's so good. What does big vision look like for you? I want, I want people to understand and, and, and as you listen to this, Listen to not just him sharing his vision, but see the vision as he was someone that was literally scraping pennies a couple years ago. He has gone through almost death. He was literally in death. He experienced death. 
And so when he shares this big vision, I want you, I want you to share it, of course, you know, what you see, but, but listen into this and like, how can this spark something within you as the listener right now? What does big vision look like? Five, 10, maybe further. Man, big now? vision is, you know, number one, man, I want to be the best husband I could possibly be. And I want my, I want a great relationship with my wife, great relationship with my daughter and future daughter. That's just about to be born. Well, I guess uh, not, but you know, soon prior Jason wouldn't have said that. And obviously I got divorced and didn't have my priorities straight back then. Now that's my goal. And that's who I want to be is the, like, I want to be res- respected and known for being the best husband and the best father known it's, with that. I want to, I want to impact people and have influence in people in a positive way to let them know that they can do anything they want to do that whatever they put their mind to, they can do it. Their mind is the most powerful thing in the world literally we, we can talk about scientifically all these things like the mind mm-hmm. is so powerful it can heal you and it can literally kill you the, if you and it's the decision that you can make to be great and with me like i want to i want to like you know speak more i want to impact more i want to help more i want to serve more i want to blow up my foundation to the point where it's helping a lot of That's people amazing. like i i love we have the haugen family foundation where we focus on veterans single parents because shout out to the single dads because i was one we're not going to overlook you so single parents and kids and impact the future generation. And for me to be able to speak and talk to those millennials, to those generations, you know, now that are in college and getting out of college, don't really know what they're doing yeah. to help people to, to find a purpose, to, to find what their dream is and to live their dream and to help them move forward their dream and to share that across the world and to, to have the message of hope, to have the message of you can do it and to have the message of also with, with good culture and building a team and building that foundation and move that through the world. And I, you know, I, 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 that's like a burning desire in me I can see because it. I get frustrated when people, you know, don't feel like they can do it and don't feel yeah, like they, they, dim, they dim their light. Yeah. And it's like, I, yeah, I want to be a light so bright. No one can help but see it where you're blinded by my light, where you're getting driven nuts by my light. Yeah. But I want to be a light so bright. You have to see me around the world. And that's, that is my vision and my purpose. I feel like I am on this earth. That's why I feel like I have this second chance. Mm. What's, uh, what's one bucket list thing that if you could get done or you do, you'd be extraordinarily excited? Oh, man, there's so many. Um, you know, it's been, it sounds silly, but there's been a long time since I spoke in front of, you know, I'd say 5,000 people. I would love to feel that energy. If I, there's something about speaking in front of 5,000 people and feel that energy. Just 5,000? Just you know, I would think, you know, I, I don't know many, many, you're, you're uh, cut, you're cutting yourself short. This, know, is many, bu- this is bucket list. Yeah, but, okay. I would like to speak. I would like to speak in an arena where I would like bucket list. I will never forget when I spoke at the Delta center. Now it's the Vivint arena, but I think it changed back to the Delta center mm-hmm. in Salt Lake city when it was jam packed full of people. I would say that's a bucket list item there to speak go. back at, See? back at that don't arena. Don't dim your light over here. Yeah. And in, yeah, I mean, dude, I'll never forget the energy that that felt. Oh, like that's, could only imagine. That's a bucket list item. I and mean, I can talk about trips and this and that and the other, but like that and and and, and But now and it's impacting. you yeah. speaking and it's your yeah. audience and your event and they're there to hear you. And it's like, that's going to be the difference. You did it once before, yeah. but you were young. And, yeah. And it was, it was your, your parents' event, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah and it was more be... of like the kids and this and that. Was it like being a kid? No, now you're going like, to be the one that, this is that it. transforms and, and inviting my dad on that stage. Oh, man, that's... And I don't care if he's in a walker or a wheelchair or whatever he's got, but having him come up on that stage and be like, right look, there. dude, like this is... Now, this that, is because that's of a you. bucket list. Yeah, like this is because of you. Like I've learned all this because of you and my mom. <sighs> Having them both up there and, and have them even speak. 
again, you know, like that would be, I, I'm like, oh, like that, that would be like almost going to get emotional right I, now. I I'm feel just that. like looking out and be like, that's, I feel that that's, that's special. I yeah. can see that being a huge and it's going to happen. Yeah. Then I know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. What is, uh, as we wrap up here, what is, you know, what is your influence effect? If there is one thing, we talk about one bucket list, whatnot, but if you had one thing that you are able to have influence and create an effect on, like what would you say that is? I would say culture and learning how to deal with people. Learning how to deal with people. Yeah, and then I'm talking like the psychology behind people, and I'm talking mm -hmm. about unlocking the, the, the code to people's brains and how they think in, in, on literally a psycho, like a psychological level. Yeah. where you're you're tapping into their greatness and you're tapping into their purpose and you're tapping in and it's like on your team in in figuring that out and having you know i feel like i i i've found like i've found that like i've kind of cracked that code and and a lot of times when i talk to people they're like they, they people that have been in business for 10 or 20 years are like i've never even thought about things like this and i'm like that's okay it. that's gonna be my yeah we my resonate superpower. so much man yeah. pra like a practical psychologist yeah and you're there to truly help them. You're truly allowing them to see the light they have when they don't see it themselves. Exactly. And it, exactly. Or either ignite it or to see it or to start it, something. Yeah. But like you know that every single person is made in the image of God. They have the uniqueness within them. And most people don't know that nowadays. Right. And I could see you as being that, that that's have that superpower, that, that influence effect to allow people to see that. And most times it's because your light is so dang bright that either they wanna shine theirs brighter or they feel flustered because they've been, they've been so guarded that it actually makes them feel inferior. But that's a good thing because it makes them look inward and be like, wait, how is he shining so bright? Why am I feeling so much resentment? And that might actually unlock them themselves. Right. But you intentionally do that. And that's, yeah. your, that's your superpower. Yes. And it's evident through all your business success. It's evident through the way you speak. It's evident through the way you live life and with your family and your, and your, your kids and soon be kids, actually, two yeah. of them. Uh, yeah. that's, that's really special. Oh, thank you very much, man. I, I just want to be – I just – I love people, man. I probably love people too much. Like I'm, I'm weird. I love being around people. I love being <laughs> – see people smile. I like cracking jokes, having a good time. Like I just yeah. love the energy of people. And, you know, if I can be a little bit of, you know, if I can be a light so bright they can, they see it and I have a little bit of an impact where they take maybe one thing and go back to their team or their life and try to change it in some way, like that's exciting to me. Yeah. And that's, that's what I want to do. Love it. Yeah. How can people find you? Like if they want to get connected or learn more about what you do, what's the best way? So the best way right now, I mean, I'm, I'm just getting after me and yours conversation. I'm working on a website right now, but um, I do have a website called imjasonhaugen.com, and that's H-A-U-G-E-N.com. But the best way is just Instagram, and that's Instagram. just Jason Haugen. Now, my answer, all my DMs, um, I'm, I'm on there a lot. And then also my podcast is a great way to connect. Um, and that's everywhere where a podcast is at. Um, and that's called Culture Camp. Culture Camp. Yep. Okay. Any last words you want to leave someone? Um you know, one man, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity. It's wow. been, it's been great. And I'm super respect what you're doing and just a big fan. And I love your why. And that's why I'm here. I mean, I don't, you know, usually come out and, you know, yeah, you to, did a day to, trip, yeah, on, did a day trip on a plane just on for now. this, but I, I, um, I really, I, I take that in, yeah, you know, no, it means a lot. I, 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 I love what you're doing, the impact that you're making and, you know, to the listeners, you know, the biggest thing, especially if you're on team building is learn how to love your people. Mm. And, and that sounds weird, but trust me, when it goes from your head to your heart, you're doing things for, with your heart and your heart's leading the charge, amazing things will, will happen. So good. 
Well, Jason, as we wrap up here, I just want to personally acknowledge you. And, you know, you are such a unique human. Your story, I don't think you really know the power of your story yet. And it's still unfolding. But everything you've shared here, you're going to have people... Uh, having new parts of their life that they probably never thought of or new areas because your story is so complex. You have from the death to the, the divorce to the, the almost, you know, bankruptcy and all that in between to the imposter syndrome. Like, like that's you. And when you fully take that together, I'm telling you, man, you are going to be someone that no one has ever heard of before. And you already are, but you're about to go to new levels. And I just want to just acknowledge that you've, you've come this far to not just come this far. That and means you, a lot. And you know that to be true. And to know that this only happened a few years ago, uh, dude, it just, it, it puts a fire in me. It, and I, if it's putting a fire in me right now, which I get excited, but like, dude, you're really firing me up. I can only imagine what it's doing for other people. Dude, so, thank you. So I just want to just acknowledge you, man, you keeping your faith first. I love when I ask what's the big vision, husband more than anything. And uh, you, you definitely will be creating that impact and you will be on that stage. Well, thank and you, I'll, man. Be, I'll be seeing that. I feel like I've lived like five lifetimes in the last Kinda five years. Like and, you know, there, there's a reason for it. And I don't, I don't want to take my second chance for granted. And yeah. I don't want to take the, my, my circuit, like my things that I've gone through because, you know, I use them as fuel to drive me to be better. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the same situations that have been that use it as an excuse why they can't do something great. Mm -hmm. I want to, I'm using it as a why I have to, why I can, and, and I know that I can get through it and it's fuel for me. And that means a lot, man. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for what the next five years has to, has to have, especially, man, I, I feel, I feel good. I can feel mentally good. I feel like my health, you know, still, I feel good at least, you know, it's yeah. kind of like, I always say that this stuff is kind of a silent killer, which I don't love, but um, I, I feel good, man. I'm just, I'm excited to just, to just do this, man. I'm, I, I love it. Well, let's go, man. Let's make it happen. Appreciate awesome, you. Awesome, guys. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in here. Make sure you go follow Jason over on Instagram, Jason Haugen, and uh, go show him some love. The one thing that we ask out of this interview is we just ask that if this resonated with you in some way, if something stood out, uh, take a screenshot of this, whether you're listening on YouTube or any of the podcast platforms, tag Jason Haugen, tag Jake Havron, and, and just put us on your IG stories because we personally love to see that. Send us a message on Instagram. We personally love to see that and we'd personally love to respond to that. So uh, it means the world to know not just that there is impact, but know what the impact is. So that's our one request here. Make sure you keep tuning in to these episodes because we bring more incredible humans like this man. And until then, you go live an incredible life and we'll see you in the next episode.